Welcome to the Watermelon Sandwich Podcast with your host, Michael Gallo, where we'll be digging deep into people's lives and find out their inner soul that helps them push forward in life. The Watermelon Sandwich is about simplicity, simple mindset, simple life, and simple soul. Thanks for listening in, and we look forward to connecting to our listeners in every way possible. All right, we're on. All right. Oh, yeah, there it is. I know. I'm excited, Guido. So, yeah, what's up? What's up? How are you doing? How's it going? I'm so excited. Uh, obviously, I've known you for years. Uh, no, and if anyone doesn't know, uh, my brother-in-law, Guy, is, uh, has been friends with Guido since high school. I think grade 10 or grade 9. I can't remember. Yeah, right in the beginning of grade 9. So, we were uh, 14. Yeah. And ever since then, I've been uh, following this guy on his journey. And uh, so anyway, so no one really knows, but this is Matthew Guido. Some of, some of the guests will know, but he's an international photographer, uh, has traveled, has really defied the odds of coming out of a small community and really breaking barriers. Um, and I know some of the story. I know a lot of the story. I don't want to really ruin it all for everyone, if you know what I mean. But uh, really, let's just get right into it. And then uh, I just want to know, really, I want the audience to know where, where this all began and really, who is Matthew Guido and who is Matthew Guido Photography? Uh, it probably began like, um, I think it happened for me when I was playing video games and I was a kid um, because my dad was like super big on like, using your imagination and um, he used to tell us stories and then let us like the kids finish the endings of it and, and things like that. So our oh, brain, that's cool. that's cool. when you're a kid, like it gets your brain to start being like, you know, imagining scenarios and visualizing things. Um, so I used to actually steal some of the storylines for the, the stuff that I would say to my dad from video games. So it was like my first go-to like reference point. Um, like now, now people, like if you want to get inspired, you'll, go on YouTube or look at this magazine or that. But when you're a kid, like you don't have anything. Right. So yeah, I dived into, into that, which gave me this whole like obsession with fantasy and like character, like design and things like that. So you're I got on animes, right? Yeah. 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 So, since I was a kid. So the, um, the anime influence was like really present, but I didn't really know what that meant at the time. Cause you're a kid. And I just knew that I liked, you know, being creative and, and stuff like that. And I excelled in, uh, on, on the art side and not so much on the academic side. And, uh, as I, as I got like a little bit older, I started doing painting and illustration. And that's actually where me and your brother-in-law like really got close. Cause we were both doing like paintings together and, and things like that. Sorry to interrupt, but the, the funny thing is that the, uh, when you were talking about the imagination part, cause I want to yeah. go back so we don't go too far. Like one of the things that I find that, you know, society is lacking is that they're just kind of we're like, we're just robots. We just go with the flow. We go to work, we do our thing. And then as you say, you're a child, you were sparked right away as a, you know, your imagination, your dad was like, kind of like creating this dynamic. So you guys are creative all the time. It's like all, all the time. Like I had a constant like influence of being creative, like from him, he really was like, put your thinking cap on, like, think about this, imagine that, like, um, it, it, with coloring books, he used to show us something in a coloring book and ask us, like, isn't there anything you want to add 
you're looking at something where you think you have to draw inside of the lines and he was basically kind of already guiding me to draw out like even farther and create my own like context for it so and uh, that's awesome because you know why because i have young kids as you know julian yeah. and frank and one of the things really one of the main reasons we moved to the farm was uh in the country was because it uh there was a disney movie called walt <laughs> funny to say um and they have an image of him walking on a farm property like it's in the video in the movie yeah and it, they're just saying that you know this is where his creativity and imagination start began because he was bored he didn't have what he had people had in the city so he had to be creative and uh and and be i guess natural with his imagination and, and that's yeah. funny that's what you're doing that's what your dad did yeah those were kind of like the early things that i didn't even know were uh like now i can look back and recognize like hey that's really awesome that he did that but at the time like you don't get that perspective <laughs> So, You're like, dad, what are you talking about? I, I've done the, <laughs> done the car <laughs> um, Yeah. So that was definitely like a contributing factor to like the type of person I was. So that, that was a big thing. And then uh, as I got older and um, I spent less time in high school, we can put it like that. I had the opportunity to spend more time in the real world at a younger age. So I kind of stopped going to the everyday cycle of school and started, um, I was working for a photographer when I was uh 16, I started interning um, downtown through my cousin who was a model and was trying to guide me in a, a good direction because I was like, I, I wasn't uh, flourishing in the school system. So, yeah, but yeah, well, you weren't, you just weren't, you know, you weren't engaged. You were just, you had more, there was, more, there was more inside of you that you knew and you had to get out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. And um, I'll just sort of like clean this part up. So basically I went from, uh, being on the floor right away, like taking the hands-on route to learning uh, what to do in the in the photography world, um, to basically developing my own point of view, which is like if I have to speak to one thing that makes me uh, successful in photography, or at least like make makes my work matter, it's because I have a point of view that I'm confident in, and uh, that's what I'm sharing with people. So it doesn't really matter what kind of photography I'm doing, if I'm shooting food or people or fashion or music or whatever the case is. Yeah. I know I always have like my my point of view and I'm that's something that like uh, is interesting for me because as a person, I'm a lot more like timid and not as confident. And then in the photography side, I'm like super clear and like have a very strong vision for what I wanna do, so. And, and what do you mean by point of view? Like your point of view, like for anything, like for photography, what do you mean by that? a good example of like what a point of view could be in this yeah. situation is like, it's the language I'm speaking, the way that I'm using light, the way that I'm using color, the way that I'm using compositions um, and storytelling. Right. So um, I, I think of myself the same as a, as you'd think of a director where what a director is doing is they're basically uh, structuring all the layers to how a story is being told. Yeah. Uh, in cinema like moving in moving film and with me i'm like taking little like frozen moments of time but i'm still taking like just as much like de uh, attention to detail with character development and like all that stuff so oh that's awesome like and, that, and that's a good point you know it's important to tell the the listeners that you know be successful you you know there's there's a lot of layers that are involved obviously and and you're, yeah. you're like a definitely ha you definitely have to like be cool with yourself and know who you are to have a realized uh, um opinion on, on what you're doing right even with cooking same thing um uh, mm -hmm. you got to know like 
all the rules to break them and then you kind of like learn how to put your own spin on it you, like with anything you i'm sure even like with you with cooking like you have your own certain way of doing it and i can use that word point of view again with that right so yeah, yeah of course and then so now you get to your career you've obviously school wasn't your thing i remember college you left and you shipped over to la i think i can't remember it was a while yeah, ago I left um i got into college on like a conditional agreement that i had to do night school because i didn't have the prerequisites but i had a, a good portfolio mm-hmm. so my dad like helped me speak with the dean and like organize me to like be in school and he was like it was like we had to pull a couple strings yeah uh, and then the like two months into me being in school actually it was by halloween i just dropped out i didn't tell my parents and uh i got this this uh internship in la with uh like a pretty famous photographer uh david la chapelle so felt like at the time i was uh i was nine i was 18 i think 18 maybe and um when you're that age and like something big happens you think it's like the be all and end all right so i'm like oh my god this is my ticket uh this is how it's gonna happen so i spent quite a bit of time uh doing internships in la in new york and um was always back and forth and then i realized like with anything like the more you know about something the less you know about something so the more exposed i got to the industry of photography in bigger cities the more i realized like how small i actually am and like oh my God, it doesn't really matter like where I am or who I know. It really comes down to um, uh, like my portfolio. So I stayed in Toronto after um, and started my official career here, um, which was awesome because I came like, Toronto's a very safe city in regards to like artistic opinions and stuff. So the work was very commercial. So I think because I had like an edgy approach, it made me stand out right in the beginning. Um, And uh, it was kind of like, during the whole like revolution of digital photography happening. So there was like room for like, if you were good on Photoshop, you can make your photography better. And then you like look, so and I'm proficient with that stuff, so. Okay, so and, that, and that's a good point. Cause you know, it's like you, you got a taste of what it is a, a high level photography and you know, the really famous photographers. And then you realize you kind of had to define yourself and become who you are. Like it's like, you can only go so much, but at the end of the day, you're not really growing on your own. You're just learning. You kind of like I was, I was in my sponge, my sponge time. Like I was just yeah. being a giant sponge, like absorbing all this information. And that's important to tell the listeners that you know there's a time in your life you just got to sponge, 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 and then from there you release, right? So, yeah, and then you know you're in your career, you're doing great, you're doing all kinds of things. I know you've done uh, all kinds of things. I can even start what I know and what who knows what you've done now up to now, but what was that breakthrough moment in your career you're in your career and i could tell you that i know there are one i'm going to say eight out of every ten person seems like they're a photographer whether they're professional or educated or not yeah. it feels like you know at my farm photography is huge in fact i think your photo was our first photo i think you did of a couple that we both know we obviously asked for their permission we used that photo to launch our farm when we opened yeah yeah uh, we didn't have any photos of with sunflowers and we get a whole a slew of photographers that come in some at close to your level and some are just regular photography and there's just like it's like it's been uh there's like a surplus of photo- there's so many photographers and because yeah, the, te- the technology is so accessible that's the thing right like yeah you buy a camera um you can take your you know take a stab at photography and um it's pretty user-friendly nowadays right so i think i want to ask you is like you know for 
even if there's photographers listening, is like, what was your breakthrough? What was that moment that it got you to the next level? It got you to a comfortable, like confident level that you're like, boom, this is it. And then the world, like you have over, I think 22,000, almost 23,000 followers on social media. I'm looking at this, uh, I guess this photographer's online platform, uh, Behance, which is probably yeah, world. That, that's Adobe's uh, like social network. Yeah. And you have, your views are like, in the 300,000s appreciations or likes you call it is over 30. Like it's this ridiculous amount of stuff you got on there. And so what was your breakthrough point? What was your, your turning point, I guess you want to say, or your, your next step to that glass barrier. I did like a, I did a really, really cool creative photo shoot where I was like, so my, the way, like um, the way that my photography brand works, like in, um, the style of it at least is like, I take like lighting theory from like Renaissance era. So like oil paintings and looking at like painters like um, Caravaggio and Rembrandt and things like that. I love all those paintings, but um, I'm clashing that or blending that with like futuristic anime stuff where it's like exaggeration. So it's like cool, very strong um, principles um, and like rules you could say with like, abstract like over the top exaggeration so i found a way to like blend those two things and i was looking at it and i'm like okay well that's the past and then the other stuff is the future that's where those two inspirations are coming from so i'm mixing them into the present which i thought was cool because i'm like okay photography is the art of time this is like it made sense to me anyway so the first time i really like to me that's things together uh was this shoot I did called Eye Candy. And I shot like a bunch of uh, neon portraits on Spadina um, mm-hmm. with a really um, like like a, a left field approach, you can call it. So that got recognition when I put it onto this Behance network. And then it got licensed by Adobe to actually be the cover of Adobe Lightroom, which that is like the biggest like validation ever because every photographer in the world that's editing their photos, the first picture they're seeing globally is my picture. You know, you know, what's funny is I had no idea. And I remember when I would introduce, I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. I have a guy. I remember we were going to do a project cause I'm a teacher too. And I, we we're going to do a project at the school and it didn't pan out at the school level. Mm-hmm. And I remember you're like, yeah, yeah. You like, you were willing to give back. And I, I said your name and uh, my friend was like, you wait, you, you know, Matthew Guido. I'm like, yeah, he's, of course I know Guido. Like, Good friend of mine you know he's a good guy so like do you know his picture is on adobe i'm like what's adobe <laughs> right i didn't even know and then he explained how important like how huge that is to have your photo and then i'm looking at your stuff i'm like whoa has he grown so much and how he's developed so much and like and you're right every person i have to say oh you know that picture on adobe that's that's a friend yeah. of mine well, that if you're asking like what was the breakthrough thing it was definitely that one because that that did really well for me in europe and especially really well in asia so i got a whole different audience that i never had touched before um and like at the exact same time that shoot blew up on pinterest and then neon photography in general just became like such a big trend but i was at the forefront of that trend and i had the the best achievement because i had the the cover photo of it so Exactly. So you were, like the, you were like the, I guess the father of this kind of photography, of this lighting photography. Yeah, it, it, honestly, it gave me like 
clout in that category a hundred percent. And, um, it was great. Cause then right after that, I, I thought to myself like, okay, I don't want it. I don't want people to think this shoot is the only good shoot I, I've done. So I started yeah, to that's the hard part. Fun right after to, to keep growing that. And I'm still on that journey now. Like it's been, uh, it's been five years actually since the cover or 40 years. Has it really? Well, I shot it um, 2016 and then it got released in 2018. So yeah, that's about five years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I can't do math. It's okay. Yeah, no, but that that's, that's what I'm saying. That the amazing part is that, so that's your breakthrough point. Yeah. And then, so now you're at, and you know what? I like the attitude you have that it's, it's not over. Right. And that's the hard thing is that once you get that one hit wonder, we'll call it like in the singing, you know, yeah. like that one hit, as a song, you get that signal that goes out. Now you gotta, now you gotta bring your game. Now that's what I find that when you get to a breakthrough point in, in, in your career, I find that now it's, and I find this is the fun part when you're in a business and you're, you're evolving. Now your, your juices are just like, I find that myself Yeah, uh, at the farm where we're at now, it's just like, it just keeps evolving and you don't know where to, you don't know where to end, but it's fun. Right. I don't know. What do you think about that? Totally. Well, I already had this like, like system with myself where I kind of look at myself like a video game character. And then I look at all my stats. I love that. And I, I, I actually write out like all my like skills, like things I think I'm great at. And yeah. then things that like I want to improve at. So if it was like a video game or something, I'm like, Oh, I got to like level up in this, this category. So as this has been going on, like I've been giving myself like better stats because I've been successful in certain areas, yeah. but it also has helped me to like push all my other stats to get to where those ones are kind of thing. Yeah. So, and that, uh, that, it makes sense to me. I just figured like, there's a, a fun way to like round out all this stuff and, and create a little like system for myself to, to, to flow. And it's funny. Cause like, I'm very confident with what I'm doing, but I don't like let that define who I am either. Like I, I know a lot of people in the industry too that are like everybody gets a little bit um like e like egotistical and um yeah. they have, I don't know like even social media can give you an ego and stuff right so I try like really hard to like I never really let that touch who I am as a person but um I want to let that like empower who I am as a person but I don't want it to lead who I am as a person and I think that's like an important thing right so it's perfect cuz the next question I'm going to lead into is authenticity like you know um the one thing I find that people get to a higher level that I've discussed with in the past and, you know, met and people I've talked to is how do you keep that authenticity, that creativity, and you've already touched upon the creativity part, but like, how do you stay authentic and how do you stay Matt Guido when you're like, exactly, things are blowing up, you know, your ego can get really big. How do you keep grounded? What are practices that you do to keep you who you are? I know it sounds really funny, but I honestly, I watch a lot of anime. <laughs> I, I, I know. I, I find it fascinating. You're not the only one. My brother-in-law, Clark, loves anime. Clark yeah. loves anime. Yeah. That's right. Um, the reason being is, like, if you watch all the character development of, like, a lot of the main guys in the shows, the storyline always starts with, like, some, like, troubled character. Then he gets superpowers, and then, like, all this stuff happens, and, like, he has this little blow-up. But yeah. always, like this reflection where they go back to like who they are and like knowing who they are and like all this stuff like that. So I've really like used it as like a tool to navigate my own life too, even though it sounds kind of funny, but yeah, it, it works for me. Like it just totally works for me. So I watch a lot of different characters. Um, 
And I learned from the variety of like ways they express certain characteristics and like archetypes and stuff like that. So for me, when I watch that stuff, it's really good. It's like a, a way that keeps me in check too. And yeah. then I end up doing myself like that. But um, on, a, on a real note, I do like take time in the day to like chill out, decompress and like do things that make me feel like me. And that kind of keeps me. Um, like what's, what's a normal day for you? Like if you like, I'm, I'm like disciplined on my routine, uh, like that keeps me who I am. Like what do you, what is, what's a day for you? Like, so I never, ever have uh, the same routine because it's project by project. That's the way my schedule works. So in a month, for example, I can be shooting like three or four times. Um, and those are days where I'm like on the floor actually doing stuff. Prior to that, I'm preparing for it. So there's a lot of like pre-production. And then when after the photo shoots happen, um, there's all post-production, which happens in this little magical office space that I'm in now. And yeah. uh, I work with like a small little team. I got my my two guys on my uh in my in my crew so i have a a guy named chris corridor and a guy named uh blaze and uh both of us or all three of us will come in here and like spend time working and editing but that'll only be for like three days or four days out of the month so i have like a variety pack of schedules like sometimes i'm really available sometimes i'm not available so i yeah. think for me i don't really respond to like structure super duper well yeah yeah Very, like adaptable go with the flow and then you have to manage um keeping the things that you want consistent, consistent. Like it's a little bit more of a responsibility because you don't have those boundaries, right? Like you have to you're be- kinda, You kind of just go with the flow because of the, I guess, because of the business, it, it does, it really kind of directs where you're going to be. So like, how do you, how do you chill out? Well, like when you're saying you're just like to chill and relax, is that like anime watching, reading a book, looking at photography or just relaxing in general? Um. Currently, things I'm doing, uh, definitely watching anime. Um, I'm playing Nintendo Switch. I'm playing uh, the new Pokemon Sword. Um, especially now I'm on COVID, so I've had like a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> um, I do draw quite a bit too, so I spend a lot of time illustrating. Oh, that's cool. I'll partake in a good old marijuana cigarette and listen to some music. And um, that's pretty much it on the on the chilling side right now because I'm not doing anything... Um, not going out to like uh like I, I do a lot of location scouting too so my one of my favorite things to do ever is like go for a drive play some music pull over find spots where i can do shoots and um i archive and catalog all like different locations one of my things i like to do with my friends is like hey i'm going on a location scout do you want to come and then i'll just drive around all day with like a couple of my friends and it turns into like a, a fun little adventure so yeah and, and it just sounds like the one the way you chill out is just not photography you just stay away from it or you're doing anime but uh, i don't uh, indirectly inspires you or you're working on it in a way so so with all this light all the success um there's failures of course oh yeah and, uh that's important to touch base on because it seems like people see the light they see the success they see you know social media runs like that you know, yeah. you don't, you don't put on social media. I messed up. You know, you don't watch a cooking show and they take out the cake. They're like, Oh, this cake tastes like garbage. You know, they, yeah. they, it's, it's, it's just the world we're in. You know, you only want to show the good, which is good, but failures, explain some failures. Tell me about your challenges with those failures, specifically in photography and how did it work? Yeah. Um, 
failures are uh, they're they're funny things because they're obviously extremely valuable. You learn a lot about um, what not to do. You also learn a lot about what you can be doing better. How many like there's also there's a, a certain like art form to understanding like there's things that are in your control. There's things that are not in your control, and yeah. you can put your efforts to make sure the things that are in your control uh, land. And then being like, you know, open-minded and accepting to the things that aren't. Um, so I don't know. I've had a ton, man. I'm full of them. Uh, I'm also pretty klutzy. So I have like little, like <laughs> kind of stupid things that I've like walked into a table and my camera fell over and I broke a lens, like tons of stuff. Oh. Like that. Um, but well, even, even like, what, what would you say one of your biggest failures were like, you pretty much just, I don't even know if it happened in shoots or like what, what really like you can't, you'll never forget this moment. And you learn like, that was like a huge, I had a, I had a really, um, cause this is not my fault. First, I want to preface by saying that like what happened is not my fault. So yeah. I did a really awesome photo shoot with Carlos Santana in San Francisco. No way. I had the best time with him. Um, you know, there's certain famous people that you meet and you're like, Oh, what are they going to be like? And to me, he was the exact, if the Simpsons like depicted Carlos Santana, like that's yeah. how he was in real life. You know what I mean? Oh, that's so funny. So I was like, oh, this is so great. Um, we had a best five. We had a great shoot. Um, some really like special moments in the shoot too. Um, so I was like, so happy. I brought my best friend, uh, Claudio Poldi with me to, to San Francisco because he loved uh, Carlos Santana. So I'm like, hey man, you want to help me with the shoot? You'll meet Carlos, like whatever. So yeah, like on a trip with my best friend shooting, like I was like, this is a great trip. <laughs> so <laughs> do the shoot. And as we're driving, we're going to return the equipment. So the shoot happened. Great time. Nothing went wrong. Everything went perfect. Um, it went so well, actually, that they like was opportunity for the photos to be used for something else that was pretty big, too. So I was like, wow. Um, and then so we pulled over the car to go return um, some <laughs> And in the car still was the camera, the computers, the hard drives, like everything from the shoot. And like, if, if this was, um, this was the parking lot and, oh, wait, this is my debit card, um, block the account number. Yeah. Uh, like I pulled up over here and then the door I was going to is here. Yeah. And I was inside, like right over here for like, I don't know, let's call it seven minutes. Okay. So in that seven minutes, come back outside, look at the van. All the windows are smashed. Nothing's in the car. Like, no, everything is robbed. So I was in like complete shock because I'm like, there's no way. And we weren't even in like a sketchy area. But apparently in San Francisco, like the car break ins are way worse than I understood. Oh and, uh, in front of any place that's like, uh, like this whole street that we were on is like, a, like it's all equipment places. Oh, okay. So it's like a really hot spot for breaking into cars because like, I didn't know any of this stuff. Oh, you so, must've been so, you know, I can't even imagine. Oh, no, I went into shock and then I had to like accept that, like there's absolutely nothing I can do to get this camera back, the hard drives back, the computer back, like my contacts were stolen. So I, my, I was wearing dailies at the time. So I'm like, I have four more days in San Francisco, no contacts. Thank God my passport was in my pocket. Um, lost everything and then i had to call their the management and tell them hey like i kind of got robbed and, like everything's gone and like no. 
just didn't work out very well for me after that. So, uh, but you did meet Carlos Santana. Yeah, I did. I did. That was <laughs> see that that to me is a crazy story. Like I would be like, oh my, you just oh, can't imagine if you're saying just seven minutes. Because like I've done so many other photo shoots that like don't necessarily like matter. And like, yeah. I didn't get robbed on those. And then it's like, I'm doing one that like mattered and it's like, fuck, this happened. Yeah. So <laughs> as we know, obviously you're doing great in photography and I love the way your approach is with Renaissance, future, putting it together and like yeah. creating that kind of uh, vision. Cause I wouldn't, I had no idea you did that. I know on your website, you talk about Renaissance and kind of like what you're speaking about, but really coming to an understanding that, you know, there's more than just taking photos. There's a whole story behind what you do. And it's, it's not just, you know, taking the shot and trying to do uh, Adobe yeah. and Photoshop and putting it together. And that's good for people to know, but on a personal life level, which I really want to dig a little deep into. And, and, and one of the questions I have is, you know, obviously I know your family. Um, uh, one of the, I'll never forget the loss. And I didn't, I know your brother a little bit, obviously my wife, Josie know, knew Daniel well. Yeah. Um, and you know, your life's good. I do remember your brother being like artistic and, you know, all uh, kind of like what you're, you are doing in a way. Um, yeah. Cause he, you'd see stuff around the school and stuff, but um, you know, the loss of your brother, like how, how, how did that play a role in your life? Um, it was a tragic time in your life and for your family, of course. And in a way, has it shaped you? Has it influenced you? Has it pushed you forward? Like that moment when that happened, you know, and then from there on, what happened from there? Well, I was 15 when that happened and my brother Daniel was 19. So at that, that age, like before I go into any details, like you're at such like a forming place of like who you are and like people who are older than you mean like you, you really like put people on a, on a pedestal right of course but yeah. I, I really I really grew up with my brother as my idol and he was like super authentic super original very artistic uh amazing at drawing like anything he really put his efforts into he was great at it but like specifically with art stuff and photography so um I got into like the first time I ever went into a dark room was with my brother when he was developing film and he walked me through that whole thing. Uh, he showed me how to draw, like we used to game a lot together, obviously, and all that good stuff. But um, at that age, I was going from being avert, like I already was emulating him because I'm 15 and he's 19. Yeah, makes sense. Right? Like I was on that path. And then when that got cut off, I just felt like, like a, like a mannequin that had strings attached and all the strings got cut and you're just like hanging. Yeah. You're just hanging. You have no idea what to do. So um, yeah, that was really a tough time for me because I wasn't set in any way really. So I, I you're, 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 you're right. You're at the age where that's the beginning of forming um, your life and 15, that's like prime. Right. And then, and, and yeah. so, by your brother being your mentor and someone you looked up to, it's like, you're probably at a loss, right? Yeah, I didn't really care about anything at the time. I wouldn't say that I was like um, reckless, but after that happened, like I didn't necessarily, like I definitely did not care about school, like remove the, like yeah. I was like, 
I don't see how this matters to anymore. Like I, I'm just struggling to even get up to go to school. Like I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, I think at that time, like the best thing that I had was my friends and, uh, uh, guy, your brother-in-law was like number one, uh, support system for me. And he was just like, so like unplugged from like, I guess like the rule book, like guy just did whatever the hell he wanted. And I was that like, nice. this, uh, like, this is, this is going to be fun. So we got really close and, uh, that helped me a lot. Um, but it felt really weird being at school. Um, yeah. I felt like everybody at the time, like their life was like a lot less heavy than mine. So it, it's just, it's a weird place to be at that age. Cause you can't understand, like, you just feel so ripped off that you become a victim. Um, yeah. so I know everybody goes through their own process of going through victim uh, cycles. So yeah. I went through like a really heavy one, really young and I didn't understand that's what I was in. Cause I didn't have the emotional maturity yet to. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, um, you know, I messed up a lot of friendships when I was younger because I was just like being too much or, or like I was, you know, um, exploring drinking maybe too much when I was trying to deal with it and all that. Um, yeah. and then finally it kind of all came full circle and, uh, I just had to like finally accept the loss. And then I thought like, you know, me and my brother were very competitive. So I was like, okay, instead of trying to be you, I'm going to just beat you. So I'm going to yeah. go as hard as I can. And if you're up there and you're watching me, then give me some good luck too. And, you know, I'm going to do everything I can and do my best. So I kind of had like a winning mentality right from the get go. Yeah. In, in that sense. Cause I was like, this is a terrible loss, but if I translate this into fuel and use it to go as hard as possible, yeah. uh, at a younger age too, then this is going to put me ahead in life. So, and it did, Yeah, it was, it a, big, it was a big kick in the butt. And, uh, well, it's, it's like you, you really got, you took that, which a lot of people can't, to be honest, Matt, I'm not going to, like a sugarcoat things with you people a lot of people will take it for years and years and it's hard on them and you took it and you used it in a positive way and you fueled yourself and obviously it's done well for yourself and and you're right because he's gonna he's, he's looking over you he's looking over your whole family and everyone he loved and uh and now and then that's a, and, and the problem is that you go to that dark side right you're yeah 15, you're 15 years old and you don't know what's going on and you know people are just trying to be as empathetic to you but they don't want to be too empathetic like they're trying to be it's like because like people are obviously like you said being empathetic but it's almost like no one's being real with you because they don't know how to and then you don't know how to act too so it's this weird it's just it's just a weird situation it's hard right I, I've, and then like obviously later in life i went i went through other things that separated me from people too but yeah uh, but um at the time it gave me like a lot of really mature, uh, heavy emotional stuff to go through. But then I found a way to like uh, express that into, into my work. And I think actually like the thing that maybe stood out about my work when I was younger was I'm 17 or 18 or 19, but like there's such heavy, like emotional themes going on for such a young person's work. So the yeah. contrast of that was interesting because I had really dark, deep like work where like I was taking crazy portraits and my theme was like, you know, um, just like despair and grief and blah, blah, blah. And like really trying to find the beautiful moments of these like darker themes. Um, so it affected all that stuff like big time. 
for sure. Yeah, so you uh, you clearly went through some very dark moments, like you were just speaking about, and you, you, I guess in those in that case, I'm guessing you're just you had to go through it. Those dark moments, those dark thoughts of like, you know, you're like you're who knows what you were thinking. Like, what were you thinking? You who knows? You were probably thinking the worst things ever, and you have to overcome it. And you and you did, and you did. I have to say, you you've done well for yourself. Thank you. And and uh, not just in that, you're you're a good human being, which to me is more important than your successes, and that's all that matters. Um, the question that I'm interested in, um, and uh, obviously we spoke about this before, is uh, you know your sexuality, yeah, uh, and it's a big question for me because. I don't know if it's the most important question, but there are a lot of people uh, that I know personally that are struggling with it because they're holding it in. Um, tell me where it be- I don't know. You don't have to go in details, but you could tell me where it began. How to start it? Like, how do you even decide to go there? Because I know you're coming from an Italian family. Yeah, European that's family. So that's, that's that's. And, and and the people I do know who have uh, gotten to the next level, they come from European families, and it's just it's just it's old school mentality. But like, God, speak about it how you want, and then let me know. Like, tell me how it started and where where it went to. Yeah, I think like the beginning of of all of that, um, it, it kind of happens in like layers and levels and stuff. So I think for me, when it started, was after my brother, so I'm I, I'm already dealing with like something that is hard to understand. And then in its like purest form in the beginning, you're just kind of like, you have like um, certain respect levels for certain people that you wanna almost like be like. So I was so attracted to being like certain people in my life that I respected and like, I was like, wow, like I really look up to this person, yeah. but you don't know how to like, separate those emotions at the time from you know having respect for somebody or um it meaning something else and i like to do use metaphors for things so i'm going to like speak in some metaphors for this yes so i didn't like eat sushi until i was into my maybe like 18 years old okay yeah before i had sushi i didn't know i liked it i didn't know that like it was something that i would want i didn't even think about it because like i wasn't even in my register of things that i i wanted so um with my sexuality it was like one of those things where i didn't struggle with it necessarily i did i just i didn't understand it so because i didn't understand it i couldn't move or do anything with it because it wasn't something that i knew um was possible for me and i didn't know that that's what that what that was about myself so uh, as I got older, then like, you know, things happen and you're like, oh shit, like that's what that means. But, uh, okay. yeah. Um, but, uh, it kind of just slowly like happened and then it becomes this thing where you know what's going on. And then it's about who can you talk to about this? Do you want to talk to people about this? That must not to interrupt, but that must be the toughest part. It's a kind of a heavy thing that people are going to. You know, it changes perceptions and things like that, even towards, I think the first battle is the perception of you to yourself. And then after you kind of recognize that, um, then you start to really think about family and then you're like, shit, like this is going to suck or like how, I don't know how this is going to go. Um, so there's that. And then uh, also like, you know, I don't think that I'm necessarily, like 
when, I guess when you think of like um, being gay or not being gay, like it's very black and white in the way that we understand it. So yeah. I thought like it was going to, um, like, is this going to change my characteristics? Is this going to change me? Like, I like who I am. So you're also like protecting little things about yourself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then you just recognize after that, um, I guess my, the way that it worked for me was um, once I kind of got past the family part, like then it was like not smooth sailing, but um, that was, <laughs> that was definitely like the, like the boss level of it. Like telling my dad was like a big thing. So. And how did your dad, how did your dad take that? Like, how did he, um, I don't necessarily. Like, all right, so I understand. That's all good. Or it was like more like whoa. I don't think that that he necessarily saw that coming. Like I think like my dad knows I'm not like like necessarily um, like everybody else, but um, yeah. I don't think it was it was that. <laughs> um, yeah. So he uh, it took him a little while. Like he never made me feel like like not oh, loved or anything like that. But like you have to also understand too. Like when you're you have to have the same respect level for people to um, accept it as you gave yourself the same respect level to accept it in yourself. So I know how long it took me to understand it. So I offer that back to whoever is in my life. Like, you know, I'm just being transparent with you about where I'm at and what I'm doing. And let's go back. I love what you just said. It's like, do you want, you know, the time it takes to give that self love, I guess you want to call it to yourself. Mm-hmm. So you have more of an understanding for others to have their time. Yeah. I know a lot of people that get really mad about, you know, not being accepted and rightfully so, but um, I'm blessed and I'm kind of like a a leader in like the new generation of what it means to be an LGBT community um, because I'm not fighting for my rights the way that if this was 30 years ago, I wouldn't be able to talk to you about this. This would not be like, so at certain points I have to ask myself like, okay, like I'm pretty private. I like to keep things to myself, but then yeah. I'm, I also have an obligation uh, and a responsibility to use my own platform to just say like, Hey, it's like hundred percent. Okay. To be like this. Um, I'm more concerned if you're a good person or a bad person, than you know, if yeah, you're- and, that, and that's, and that's what I just said. It comes down to that. And, yeah. and you just answered the question I was going to ask you. And that was basically, you know, the advice, you would want to give to others in that same situation. Like what would, like what advice would you give them? You kind of briefly talked about it right now anyway. So. Yeah, I think, um, I think it all comes down to self-acceptance and self-love. And uh, the coolest part about that is if you can do that, um, the earlier you can do that, it's going to help you in every category in your life. Like it's going to help you with your work. It's going to help you with all of your relationships because you're already so like self-validated that things don't affect you the same way as uh, maybe somebody that seeks that validation or needs that validation to feel good. So yeah. like, uh, almost like you're almost like in a 2.0 version of yourself when you go through that, because you really got to understand that like everything that you've been taught is normal or okay. Yeah. Like you're not wrong for not being in those, uh, in those categories or, or restrictions. So yeah. In and in a way it was like, I would call it kind of like your awakening because really it's like yeah. there's like this weight off your shoulders in one way, but in a way you're like, because of the self-love of, you know, who you are as a person, it just helps in every aspect of your life, I guess. That's what, that's what I'm hearing, right? Yeah. So 
Um, I think for a while, like maybe in the beginning when like I knew about it with myself and I hadn't talked about it, like I can understand like, like that's just not a good feeling and yeah. you do everything in your power to like stop feeling like that or like change or like I used to make like, um, like goals in my head, like, okay, by the end of the month, I'm not going to feel like this anymore and like stuff like that. Yeah. Right. It's really frustrated. And then, um, eventually I just got to a point where I just said like, okay, like this is it. And, uh, if I'm not going to accept myself, I'm like running to find any other version of myself, then like, how can I expect anybody else to, and how is my work even real if I'm insecure with who I am? So oh, that, that right there, you hit it right on. Yeah, you, actually, so when I, I find a lot of people, not a lot of people, I always say a lot of people, but I've, I've ran into people in my life that, you know, and I had to learn my way too with my own journey in yeah. life. If you have insecurities with yourself, you know, the one, the number one thing we've all learned that I learned people who it's self-love. You need to love yourself to give love. Yeah. Right? And then once you go there, that means you're going to give love to your work and you give love to your body, you give love to your cooking, to every aspect you're going to do, because now you're, it, it, it kind of like, I don't know, cultivates this confidence in you and this from your soul, not from like externally, it comes from inside now. Well, right? It's just being like fully realized, right? Like you're fully, uh, you're awake. Yeah, you know who you are, you're in your own skin, you're present, but um, when I kind of felt I'm like, oh, like this is probably going to like help me also empower my work because the person that's creating this, like I'm doing great work while I'm a little bit broken right now. Imagine if I'm put together, like I'm going to do even better. And I, like, I think that I have a lot of respect for my craft and I'm like, I want to leave behind a legacy of the stuff I'm, I'm shooting. So I'm like, I owe it to the, the, like my art form to be the best me possible in the best shape possible mentally emotionally, like spiritually, physically, all that stuff, because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I really care about what I'm putting out there. So it kind of all happened at the right time. It was between the age of like 25 to 30, I guess you can call it. Yeah. Um, and I'm 31 now and I'm like, yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. I love hearing that. I'm so glad you even spoke about it. And uh, really that just shows how confident and really awake you are. Cause you should be able to talk about it. And, you know, Moving on out of the dark and we'll go to the light because, you know, you had your, you talk about your failures, you talk about your challenges with your sexuality, which, which became great afterwards. And, uh, you know, and those challenges are within yourself, as you spoke about, is your relationship with your partner, Giovanni. You know, yeah. I've only met him a handful of times, so guys full of energy. Um, I have a lot to relate with him when it comes to food, for sure. I love his stuff. Um, and, uh, how was, how has that played a role on your well-being? You know, everyone's in a relationship uh, uh, with someone. When when people are in a relationships and you're at a certain level in your career, and you know there's a lot going on, how how has that played a role in your life and your well-being and your overall who you are as a person? Well, it definitely gave me some balance because I'm so like focused on photography and being a photographer and. Matthew Guido, the photographer, not really the yeah. person that like, he was like a, a definite bookmark to my personal well-being. Um, he's straight from Italy. So he's, uh, he's Sicilian and, uh, he's been in Canada since he was 14. He's 37 now. And, uh, his like 
approach to life is not Canadian. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, I, I'm, I'm being really, uh, I'm saying this the best way possible. So he's <laughs> all about like culture, all about like, uh, you know, the whole balance between like in, in, in Canada, everybody works to live in Italy. Everybody uh, uh, lives to work or if I did that the wrong way, you know what I mean? Yeah, anyway, I know what you're saying. Uh, so he's all about living. He's all about like being present, phone down, not on the table, like enjoying. Oh, that's, like, and that's awesome, bro. That's awesome, bro. Our, our special moments are like having a panino in the back of his truck, like having a picnic, like oh, we're very like that, right? So I'm, I'm really, really, really like crazy about food. Like to me, like I cook a lot, but um, not in like a professional way, like in the Matthew way that I learned from my family and stuff. Yeah, and, I mean, like he's cooks professionally. He was managing a restaurant. Now he has his own catering business, which really like picked up like crazy through yeah. COVID, but actually a successful COVID business that like blew up. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he's like, he's a piece of bread and our relationships like that too. So <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's funny. That's a good way of putting it. That's how it is. I love, like, your, I love your analogies. They're, yeah. they're good. And, and, and it's funny going on to that, as you know, the area I love the most, the most is food. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, cause I, this is the question I want to ask because you're in a relationship with the guy that loves to cook. He's talented and you love to cook. Your family loves to cook. I can't even get over your dad making bread now, but, um, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, how has food played a role in your life and how has food really been like part of your life? Like how, how, how has it impacted you? Um, I guess on two levels. Okay. On one level, um, there's like the connection to my, to my heritage being Italian and like a lot of the values that come with that. So I really enjoy the Italian side of food. Like it's just romantic and like nothing else. Um, and then I also am a very big, like, I love going out to eat. Um, my favorite social thing to do is going to a restaurant. So I love like just the community of having like a meal and like drinks and just having a great old time. Like that's the most exciting thing to me. Yeah. Uh, so there's that stuff. And then there's the actual, like, if you unpack really what cooking is, it's like just the understanding of and respect really for all different ingredients and where they come from. Um, and you can parallel that to like things in life. And then cooking too is like another thing you can parallel to things in life because think about the whole process uh, of like cooking things really high heat and then letting them simmer after for hours and hours. And then like, you know, it, people are like that too. So like, sometimes I look at uh, somebody and I'm like, uh, you're like making this or like, you know, you can you're just like making a nice sugar. You're, yeah, you're, you can kind of figure it out. So yeah, uh, that's really it's pretty, it's pretty wholesome depending on how you want to, how you want to like look at it. But um, yeah, I got, I don't think I got anything bad to say about food, to be honest. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And it, it's, it's, it's because, you know, we're, we're coming to a closing here and I'm, I'm excited because we had a great conversation and, uh, yeah. you know, the watermelon sandwich, people are like, what, why, why the watermelon sandwich, why the podcast? And, and you've seen the video on my Instagram, how it came out. And it was just literally one of those things that came in my head. And then, uh, my father-in-law says, Oh, you should call the farm hut the watermelon sandwich and joseph's like well we have to make the watermelon sandwich and we're like we asked some chefs we should make a twist to it and then it evolved into something else which was just you know you had you're you're big with your nonno and nonna and and like how what they do and you respect it and it's more than that to me uh like the watermelon sandwich is about you know simplicity 
a simple mindset, just like how they were a simple, having a simple soul, like you talked about in the podcast yeah, and really having a simple life. So how can you narrow down some simple advice uh, with, you know, your career, your family, your friends, and what you've gone overall in life and everything to help in others in their own journey in life. You know, I, I want to know what kind of simple advice you can give to others, not just about success, but to have a, just a fulfilled, awakened life, right? Because I look at you as a, an awakened human being and a lot of people are asleep. Yeah. But I feel like you're awake. Any kind of simple advice you can give out? Um, I think like one of the best ones probably ever is just like, there's no yellow brick road. So as soon as you start building all these expectations, um, you're taking away from being present and your own human experience. So um, I think, especially because I deal with time, like that's my, my medium that I work with is time, right? So I have a big respect level for, you know, stopping to smell the roses and like just being present. So I think being present is really uh, one of the most important things that you can do. And also, you know, everybody, everybody matters. And you, whether it's like, I, I leave behind my legacy with my work, with somebody else, it can be with a conversation that they have with somebody and it affects what that person does. So I think like put your best foot forward every day, but you don't necessarily need to know where that foot is taking you. They're like, there's no yellow brick road. I don't know. That's my little metaphor for the day of that. It's that just, no, that was perfect, Matt. You, you're basically yeah. be present, um, do your best, but don't worry if you don't see the whole road. Is what yeah, like you just gotta, but you gotta be in a good, jolly spirit along the way. Like, you know, um, if you really look at what life is, like it is a, it's just a journey of your time of, of your existence. But the only part that you, you know, you can, we have brains. So we go back in our heads and think about things from the past and we imagine things in the future. But really the only thing that you have control over is you right now. So I would just try to like, um, give any advice to anybody is just like maybe unplug a little bit out of like, you know, Instagram and um, things that are going to make you forecast so much and go for a freaking walk and like do something <laughs> just like to, to snap out of it for a second. So yeah, 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 good. Well, Matt, thanks so much for sitting down with me. I'm so happy we did this. I know, uh, you know, you had, uh, you had a, a rough week last week, but you know what? You came through this week and I, I appreciate that. And I'm sure I'm going to see you more anyways, especially when this COVID thing's over. And then uh, we'll go from there and uh, say hello to Giovanni, of course, and uh, your parents. Watermelon sandwich? Like, is that ever going to happen? Like, we sell it at the farm. Yeah, I need to have one. Oh, that's what everyone says. Like, I want to go try it. But wait a second. Do I get one? What's happening with this? I want to try one. Of course, you know, it's so funny. I said, you know, if I had the podcast in at a location, just because COVID's on, I would 100% have an antipasto out. I would have the watermelon sandwich there 100%. Because people are gonna like, I don't care what we're going to talk about. I just want to try this sandwich. Season two, when you do the watermelon podcast, yeah, invite me back and do it in person and give me, let's do the antipasto and all that stuff. <laughs> I know, okay. You can go to the house anytime anyway, so it doesn't matter. Okay, all so. right. All right. Thanks, Guido. Say hi to everyone. Okay. Such an amazing and insightful podcast tonight with Matthew Guido. It was clear his awakening came from the simple mindset of self-love. 
It was at this point where Matt bloomed into this creative artist and was able to put a true authentic purpose to his career and his life. Such a blessing to have such a special guest on the Watermelon Sandwich podcast. Thanks for listening in. You can follow us at the Watermelon Sandwich podcast on Instagram or connect with us at www.thewatermelonsandwich.com. Thanks again, and we look forward to our next guest coming soon.